This week on Two Peas, my special guest is Amy Smith. She will be my co-host this week discussing our top five favorite movie documentaries. You can find her on Twitter at Films with Amy. She also hosts a website, Film for Thought, and she is part of the In Session Film Crew. Make sure to look up all of her information in this week's show notes. Welcome to another episode of Two Peas. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. So thrilled that you joined us again this week. We have a fun one and a big one for me, a topic this week that we're doing because I was just telling my guests before we started recording that this has been on the agenda for like two or three years and we just haven't gotten around to doing it. And I've been listening to her online. I've been following her on Twitter, so I reached out to her a while ago. And this is one that she kind of honed in on and said that she wanted to talk about with me today, so I'm excited. I'm happy she's here. Amy is here from Film for Thought. Like I said, first time guest, Amy, how are you? Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Now, we're doing our top five movie documentaries today. That's the top five list we're talking about today. And like I said, I shot you some ideas over on Twitter, and then you came back with this one. You said you wanted to do it. Why is this the one that you settled on? What does this topic mean to you? Why did you want to talk documentaries today? Yeah, so I've gotten into documentaries a lot over the past few years, and I feel like that will be reflected when I talk about my top five list, but... Recently on my website, I've kind of been branching out to international films and documentaries. And I think trying to go through all the Oscar films, watching all the documentaries, it's really interesting to see the different perspectives you can get. They don't all have to be informative. They don't all have to be like really hard hitting. There's some really fun ones. And I feel like you learn a lot more from documentaries than you do with any other sort of film. So I really love delving into these. Yeah, like the educational piece, right? It's always cool when a movie can like teach you something, you know, but also be really entertaining at the same time. You know, I'm looking at my list and I feel like it's fair to say that a movie documentary, if it's done well, it can be really like powerful too, because, you know, movies in general are powerful, right? I mean, me and you both love cinema and movies really move us, but a documentary is real, you know, it's real life. So it's not necessarily actors or a fictional script or anything like that. This is like real life stuff that can be pretty hard hitting in my opinion what do you think and i completely agree with that and also the range of subjects you can have so even just looking at my list i've got some that are a lot of fun and you wouldn't think of just being documentaries but they have a way of exploring their themes in completely different ways and i think that's really fun whether it's archival whether it's i've got an animated one in here so there's different ways that you can explore this and make it feel fresh So don't give any titles away at the top. I don't like to do that. I like for it to be kind of a surprise factor when we get into our list. So when you were coming up with your top five documentaries, was this an easy list for you to compile or was it kind of gut-wrenching to narrow it down to five? It's quite tough, especially over the past few years. So one thing I do want to try and explore in the future is more films, documentaries from maybe like the past 20, 30 years, because one thing I did notice is all of mine are like from the past 10 years. And that kind of shows... The level of filmmaking has kind of come from documentary filmmaking in the past 10 or so years, but I'm excited to potentially explore more from 
back in like the 90s or noughties. Yeah, actually, now that you're mentioning it, I do have one that is about 20 years old, but most of mine are actually from the last 10 years or so as well, if not even more recent. Uh, and I didn't think about that. But now that you mentioned it, I'm looking at my list. and I'm like, wow, she's right. But I, I, I guess documentary filmmaking, like you said, it's just it's it's really become its own thing. And it's really just taken on this new life. And, you know, these filmmakers and a lot of them that we're going to mention tonight, most likely, you know, there's a difference between like a director, you know, like a cinema director. And then you have a filmmaker that's making documentaries because more times than not, it's probably something that they're very passionate about is very close to them or they got wrapped up in in some way. So it's a very personal, like passionate connection that a lot of these filmmakers have to these projects, which is probably why at least the ones on my list speak to me, you know? All right, Amy. Well, I'll tell you what, you're the guest on the piece here. So I'm going to let you get us started. So if you're ready, why don't you start us off and just name your number five documentary and why you chose it? Yeah. So my number five documentary is Three Identical Strangers. This is one that showed a few years ago at cinemas, but I didn't actually get to see it until Netflix. And what what starts as an innocent, cute little story turns out to be a lot more underneath the surface. And I really, I was really fascinated by the subject because I hadn't even heard of this sort of situation happen before. Yeah, tell me a little bit about it. I know about this one and I didn't get a chance to see it. It's actually in my queue as we speak. And I wanted to see it before we recorded. But it's like these three dudes that are like long lost brothers or something, right? They're long lost brothers, yeah, and we're identical triplets. And due to like it was some sort of adoption system where they were split apart to run tests on how triplets kind of think and if they think similarly, then we're split apart. Mm-hmm. And one of them gets in the news of the headlines or something, and one of them goes, Wait, I recognize them. They look the spitting image of me. Or I think it was like college, they met up and they didn't know each other beforehand. And it's the idea that they all kind of found each other, even though they are related. And it's really, really interesting. It sounds like it. Like I said, I've had it in my queue for a while. And now I really am bringing it back into my foresight. I really do want to check it out. I heard it was really good. I can't remember if that one was nominated for an Oscar or not, but I know it did have I a lot of fanfare. Remember. Yeah, it was last year, right? Or a couple of years ago? Two years ago, I believe. Two years ago. Yeah, I know it had a lot of fanfare around it and it was pretty popular. So Three Identical Strangers is your number five. I'm a sucker for a good like musical documentary like based on a real life musician and my number five is one of those and you know you're in the uk we didn't mention that maybe your accent gave it away but (laughs) you're over there so you might have a familiarity with this artist but it's called amy which i did not do because you're on the show i promise (laughs) (laughs) but from 2015 amy based on amy winehouse the musician so that's my number five from 2015 so are you a fan of this one you seen this one i haven't seen it yet it's a blind spot of mine but yeah if you're from UK you know who Amy Winehouse is she's probably got she probably had one of the best voices of the past 20 years and seeing her like death come up on the news was heartbreaking because she had so much to live for but definitely one that I do want to check out Absolutely. And you nailed it. I mean, you know, the artistry surrounding her and her voice was so unique and has become iconic in such a short period of time. You know, she did that thing where she was able to mix kind of like, you know, sex, drugs and rock and roll, but she mixed it with kind of this lounge singer, like almost like girl group era voice. Uh, And it harkened back to like the 1950s in a way. It was really, really a unique blend in that way. But the documentary really catalogs her kind of rise to fame, which was 
I mean, it was like a meteoric rise. It happened very quickly for her. And she's a member of the 27 Club, having died at the age of 27, obviously way too young to have left us. And like you said, just imagine all the art that we would have gotten had she still been around. But she was, you know, for people that don't know, she was uh, hooked on drugs and alcohol. She got caught up in the fame of it all and really let it take over her life and ultimately kind of take her life. And the documentary is very sad in that way, but it also is very uplifting to see kind of the relationships that she builds over that period in her life and how, you know, she was a very strong person despite what befell her. It just it just became too much for her in such a short amount of time. And it's hard for us to really know unless it happens to us. But Amy Winehouse has remained one of my favorite artists. And if you're a fan of hers, you should definitely check out Amy. And it just so happens I have Amy on the show as my co-host. Tonight, so. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it stood out to me because of that. I don't know. But that's my number five. And we are back over to you for your four. What do you got? Yeah, so this is actually one of the Oscar contenders from the past year, and I think it should have won out of the five that was nominated, and it is Collective. Yeah, Collective's a good one. I actually I actually picked that one to win when I did my, my predictions. It was one of the only the few I saw this past year. Talk a little bit about it. So when you get that opening and they show the actual footage from inside this nightclub, it is harrowing it is completely shocking especially for someone like me who did go to clubs like that did go to concerts love being that experience and knowing that for me that's one of the safest places and to see this event happen but it's not just about the event it is about the handling of the event by the government it's about the handling of hospitals during this time it is a really dark look and especially for a fact it was done by a sports journalism like newspaper which is impressive so it's really interesting to see this incident blow up but also to see it from a journalistic viewpoint which is something I kind of want to get into yeah I agree harrowing was a great way to describe it you know I felt like such an outsider kind of looking in on that and I know you said that you you know did the clubbing and that type of thing but I never did so it was it was also a very kind of like eye-opening documentary for me personally just because I didn't really have that connection to it and didn't really know much about it but it was one of the better documentaries I've seen in the last few years and uh, you know I would have been okay with it winning I <laughs> I don't know if the octopus teacher is going to show up on your list but uh that was a bit of a surprise win i felt like so wasn't too pleased considering the year documentary we just had yeah i know right i guess octopus teacher was just coming on hot at the end there like everybody was talking about it and had netflix behind it i mean i didn't hate it but i was surprised that there that's like that's the best documentary guys like i don't i don't know you know but yeah collective great pick that's your number four my number four you're talking about harrowing wow my number four <laughs> was one of the very few documentaries that just had me on the edge of my seat uh, during it, like different parts of this documentary, like literally afraid of what I was watching. But it was a movie a couple years ago called Free Solo. Have you seen this? Oh, no, I haven't. This is one of my blind spots, but I've heard so much about it. Man, I mean, I could say so many things about it. You know, I don't, this is, you know, it's rare when you, when you talk about a documentary, Amy, to like spoil it really, because, because it's based on a true story and anybody can kind of, you know, look it up or whatever, but I don't want to necessarily spoil some of the things in Free Solo when you get towards the last act of this movie, but... This dude, Alex, basically rock climbs free soloing, which means he uses no equipment, you know, no ropes, no safety harnesses, nothing like that. Just chalk on his hands and whatever special sneakers they have when they rock climb, and that's it. And he decides to uh, climb El Capitan, which is, you know, the largest, like, rock, basically, in the world. And he's going to do it free soloing. And the way the movie is shot is crazy because you have the filmmakers. There's two directors here that, that helm this. They obviously have a large crew as well. And they're on 
the Rock too. Of course, they have the safety harnesses and the different like drone footage that they use and stuff like that. But they're doing it with him in an effort to get the shots for the movie. So you're thinking about the main character, Alex, is following his story. But I'm also kind of thinking of these filmmakers. Like, I hope these guys are okay. You know, because he does it, you know, all the time. They didn't do it all the time. So it's a really, like, pulse-pounding watch, you know. And documentaries don't always take on that facade. So Free Solo is one of the better documentaries I've seen in the last decade. I would definitely highly recommend that you check it out or anybody listening that has not seen it to check it out. So I don't want to give too much away. But you said this one's on your to-do list, right? Yes, it is. All right, cool. So that's my number four. And uh, we're, 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 we're skimming along here. We're up to you for your number three. What do you got? So this is one that isn't officially out yet, but one that I got to see at Sundance. And Sundance had an amazing range of documentaries this year. Mm-hmm. But my number three is Flea, which is also an animated and a foreign language film. So it could technically get in all three next year at the Oscars. I don't know this one. Tell me about uh, what it's about. So it is about an immigrant and it's kind of his journey because he like goes from different countries, but he got like kicked out of one. As it's him with his family just trying to survive whilst being an immigrant and kind of him reflecting on it and the relationships that he's made throughout. Okay. But it's very, very powerful. The animation style, it's hard to get used to at first, but once you get used to it, it's stunning and just incredibly powerful and definitely one to look out for this year when it releases. I think it's Neon that has acquired it. Wow, Neon. Well, that's that's big to have that behind them as well. Mm-hmm. All right, well, that's cool. That's one that I, I try to stay on top of stuff, but I'm wondering if I've even heard of that. But should we go ahead and say that Amy's given a prediction that it's going to get the trifecta nominations next year, you think? Animated, it's, documentary, and international? It's worth putting it in all three so far, but I'm not sure if it will go under foreign language because I think we're doing an English dub and mm. there's somebody famous attached to it. I can't remember. It might be Riz Ahmed. Oh, that'd be great. Might be, but there is somebody famous attached to do the English dub for it. That'd be great. And I don't know because I don't have the stats in front of me, but I don't think that's ever happened. I don't think there's ever been a movie that's crossed over. There's never been one that's done. The crossover has only happened in the past few years with Documentary and International Collective was one of them that managed to do that. So I don't think anything's ever crossed over with Animated. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, so I apologize if it has, but I don't think it has either. All right, so there you go. You said it was called Flea, right? Yes. And that's your number three. So my number three is a very powerful documentary. We were talking about that at the top, and it's also powerful because, and I know you're in the UK, and I know this is kind of a worldwide thing but here in america it's been very prominent in the last year to two years where you know there's been a trending movement called black lives matter and there's been a lot of you know disheartening things that have been happening with police brutality and the criminal justice system against african americans particularly in america which is where i am and Ava DuVernay is one of the better young filmmakers in Hollywood. She did a movie a few years ago called Selma, uh, based on Martin Luther King's famous march in Selma, Alabama. But she also did a documentary called The 13th. Have you seen that? I haven't. I've seen her short limited series, When They See Us, and that was Mm -hmm. incredible. So I definitely want to check out 13 for sure. That's another one, you know, but the 13th, it gets its name from the 13th Amendment because that was the amendment that abolished slavery in the U.S. and at the end of the Civil War. But there's this little like clause built into it because it says like, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but it says it abolishes slavery unless in the event of a criminal act or something like that. So in other words, there's still... Slaves, if they're in prison, they're considered kind of like a slave to the government, kind of, 
in, in that respect. So what it does is it explores how they really, and I'm talking about America, really set up the African-American community for failure from the beginning, even from the abolishment of slavery, even with just that simple language. Because if you take yourself back there and you think like, okay, they've known nothing but slavery. And now it's like, all right, it's abolished. It's against the law. Now you're free. But what shortcomings they had and you know what I mean? They were the stack was just so de- the deck was just so stacked against them. I felt like and DeVernay and the different interviewers or interviewees in this documentary really opened my eyes as a white person. Really opened my eyes to like, wow, this is like a systemic thing that is going to take decades and decades to cure, and it's a shame. And you know, racism is not going anywhere, unfortunately. And this documentary really puts a spotlight on that. So it's a downer in that respect. But if you're talking about documentaries like Teaching You, which is what you and I were kind of saying at the top there, this is something that everyone that's quote unquote privileged, I feel like should see because it will really show you, you know, just how society can treat different groups of people. And it really is a shame. And it really harkens back to racism. In that way, I feel like it's a very important documentary. And um, it really hit me really hard because I saw it during the Black Lives Matter movement, which is still going on, obviously. But George Floyd, I'm sure you've heard of that case, I'm sure. Uh, last year. Of course. So when that happened is when I watched this. I did this whole stint where I watched just a ton of black cinema. And this was one of the ones I had never seen that I went ahead and watched. It's on Netflix, by the way. It was really a, a, an educational watch for me and a tough watch, but I feel like it was really important. So I think Netflix is really good for getting those voices out. They had to fight blood. So they have a lot of Ava DuVernay's work there, I think. What they're doing is incredible. I agree. Well, I, I guess I'm giving you a pretty long to-do list here so far. <laughs> you definitely have. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good. You know, hey, that's fine. So that was my number three. We're up to our runner-ups. Amy, what do you have at number two? Yeah, so at the top, we were saying about how documentary is personal. And I feel like nothing is more personal than filming your own family. So my number two is Dick Johnson is Dead. Mm, Good one. It didn't make my list, but this was one of the other documentaries I saw this past year that I absolutely love. Talk a little bit about this one. Yeah, so I feel like past year has been really good for representation in general, but I think Dementia actually had a pretty good representation both with The Father and Dick Johnson is Dead. And this documentary, it's a lot of fun. It's quite entertaining despite the premise of filming your dad dying, but they... Mm. Have fun with it with the numerous movie style deaths, the sort of heaven scene, the fact that you got to see his own, essentially his own funeral. And it's filmed so, so well. Like, it made me want to actually go and watch her previous film, Camera Person, I think it is. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. I haven't seen that one either, but I want to watch that one. But what a fun documentary. And the fact that this didn't even get nominated for oh, Best man. Documentary is a scandal. I was crazy. I was crazy when that I'm like, what? Because that was my favorite documentary of the past year that I of the ones I saw. I didn't see all, all of them, obviously. But that was my personal favorite one that I saw. Uh, it is on Netflix, guys. So check it out. You know what I love about that documentary? Everything you said was perfect. The only thing I'll add is just I love how they incorporate how powerful like movie making is into mm-hmm. into our lives or into their lives specifically in that documentary because you know her and her dad you, you use the art of movies and her love of movies to kind of cope with what was going on you know and that, that just I thought that was a brilliant kind of take on that all right so we are rolling right along here and we're up to my runner-up next so my runner-up you know I talked a little bit about the racism piece earlier with 13th right okay so with my number three we talked about something that has been an issue for 
my country for this country, which is racism. And I'm doing that again with my number two. This is another issue that's plagued our country forever. And I might get a lot of hate mail for mentioning this particular movie. And it's also the oldest movie on my list, but it's from 2002. And it's a movie called Bowling for Columbine. Have you heard of I haven't of- even heard of this one. No. So this is a Michael Moore film. I assume you've heard of him, right? Yes. Okay. So documentary filmmaker, um, extremely liberal, extremely <laughs> Democrat, and leans that way for sure. But this is a movie that spotlights the gun violence in America. And this was in 2002. So look at where we are nearly 20 years later. This is still an issue. There was a mass shooting at Columbine High School in, I believe, the year 2000. And the mo- and that was what kind of sparked this documentary. So he used that high school mass shooting at as a catapult to kind of make a a story surrounding gun violence in America. And again, to me, it's just so sad that these school shootings and these mass shootings continue to happen every few months in America. And I mean, we're talking about a documentary that came out in 02, and it's still more prominent now, if you ask me. Guns are becoming more of a kind of widespread thing, particularly in America. I don't know if the UK, I mean, I know you guys have had things over there, but I don't know if there's, if you've experienced it on such a like saddening mass scale as we have here in America, but it's a tough thing. And this documentary really tackled it. It's another powerful Yeah, absolutely one. not, because there was a school shooting like before I was born and after that point they just basically flat out banned guns like it is very very tough you have to be like some sort of like hunter or farmer to essentially own a gun now right right and you know america got this thing it's like don't take my guns away and it's like all right you know i mean i get it i I don't have a problem with people hunting and owning guns for protection and like all that stuff i've just never been able to figure out the whole like why do you need an assault rifle that you know shoots a hundred rounds in five seconds like i I just don't understand what I deer. I agree. Yeah, I just don't understand what deer or, you know, bird you need that type of gun for, or even somebody breaking into your home even. You know, it's just, I don't know. Those are like military grade and like war level guns that I just don't know why are on the common streets or in households. It's just, and I'm not anti-gun, which is what is what it sounds like, but I'm not necessarily anti-gun. I just don't understand the kind of disconnect in the levels of, of those types of, of weaponry. You know what I mean? And this I doc- completely understand. And this documentary really just in your face kind of hones in on that issue that is still an issue and frankly is more of an issue now than it was when this documentary came out. Uh, You know, I mean, I think it was four or five years ago, the Sandy Hook elementary shooting. I mean, come on, guys. I mean, (laughs) elementary kid, like six-year-old kids are getting shot. It's just like, I I just can't believe that we haven't advanced a little bit further as a country when it comes to gun laws and and protection for that type of thing. So this documentary is a tough watch because of that, because you watch it and you go, wow, that was 20 years ago. And wow, nothing's, I mean, (laughs) nothing's better off. So it's tough in that respect, but I really um, appreciate what Michael Moore did in this movie by kind of, you know, putting a spotlight on that issue. Very similar to what I said about DuVernay when it comes to racism. So Bowling for Columbine, my number two, another one that you have not seen, correct? You said, correct. All right. So you got a full blown to-do list here. I'm (laughs) I'm giving you a lot of homework, but we are up to our number ones, Amy. So what is your number one documentary? I'm excited to see what you mentioned here. This might come as a surprise because I am from UK. I never grew up really watching this show. But my number one is Won't You Be My Neighbor and about Mr. Rogers. Sure. Yeah, it's on my list. It's in my honorable mentions, though. Great, great movie. Talk a little bit about why you love it. Yeah, so I wanted to watch it before I end up seeing A Beautiful Day in Neighborhood, which coincidentally was my favorite film of that year. I fell in love with it. And there's something about Mr. Rogers that I wish I kind of had in my own childhood. and 
the documentary really goes into detail about his legacy, about his life, so even somebody who never grew up watching him could fully understand why it was so easy to fall in love with him and the impact that he really had. Even in like in terms of TV and all the laws and all the things, like every element that he did to make his show come to life and make it as accessible as it was, and as you said, highlighting racism, highlighting all these subjects you didn't expect it to all within these short two hours. Yeah, I, I agree. You said it beautifully. It was one of my favorite movies of that year as well. And, you know, one thing I take away from it is like hope. You know, there's just the hope that there's these good, pure people in the world, you know, like Fred Rogers. And he was just such a good dude, you know, and I know that sounds so simple, but it was also in a time when it was, there was a lot of courage on his part. You know, they talk about his relationship with the black actor that was on a show and, you know, different things that he would kind of reach his hand out and do that people weren't doing on, you know, public television or in the movies or whatever in pop culture. And he was doing it because it was the right thing to do and because it was the kind of person that, that he was, you know, and I thought it was a beautiful kind of expose about him as a person too, which I really, really enjoyed. Won't You Be My Neighbor, Amy? That's your number one documentary. That's a good one. Yes. Did you cry when you saw that? Uh, No, but I did cry. <laughs> a, a beautiful day in the neighborhood. That was good. That's Tom Hanks, right? That was the Tom Hanks one? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That was good, too. Yeah. All right. Well, my number one is um, one that's underseen. So since you haven't seen any of my first four, I wonder if you've seen this one. <laughs> we'll see if we can get one out of five. I don't know. But it's a movie that came out a couple of years ago. It was also nominated for an Academy Award. And it's actually a Hulu original. So it's been streaming on Hulu and it still is. But it's a movie called Minding the Gap, directed by Bing Liu. Have you heard about this one? Seen it? I've heard of it. haven't seen it. But we also don't have Hulu over here in the UK. Oh, I wonder if it's over there then. I don't know if maybe you might I'm have. not sure. I'd have to find out where it is streaming. So Minding the Gap is a documentary that I put on a couple of years ago to watch. I'd heard, you know, it got nominated and I'd heard about it. And I said, okay, well, you know, I try to watch as many as I can. So I, it just literally floored me. I, I could not believe. So it's promoted and kind of advertised, even on Hulu even, as a story about these these young friends, these young male friends that are skateboarders. Okay. And that's where the term minding the gap comes from too, from skateboarding. I mean, among other things, but that's a play on words for them as well. So it kind of takes on that, right? And then you get into the movie and they are skateboarders and they do cool things and tricks and like they meet at the skate park and like, but what you learn over the course of the 90 minute documentary is that the three main boys in the film who are best friends in the movie go to school together and they're all skateboarders. That's their connection and that's their um, like escape. That's the two, that's the, what they hold and they have as a, as a commonality to escape from their lives. And all three of them are involved in abuse in some way. So I don't want to give anything away, but each character is connected to an abusive relationship in some way. And we find out about that when we get peeks into their personal lives throughout the movie. And skateboarding and their friendship is the only thing that's kind of keeping them sane and keeping them together. And it's also a way for them to get away from the different abuse that they're a part of. And Bing Liu is the filmmaker and he filmed it. It's his real life friends and him. And he filmed it over the course of like eight or nine years. So he took different footage of them growing up together over a nine year period, mixed in with some interviews that he took in present day. And that's how the documentary was filmed. So just such a personal movie that he literally took home movies of his skateboarding buddies and turned it into this really cool documentary about abuse. And like I said, it's masked as something completely different. And when you watch it, you connect to these characters, you feel for them. And it's, again, a very powerful watch. This was a very powerful movie for me to see. I'll, I'll be interested to find out, Amy, if you can get it in the UK, because 
hearing you talk tonight, I feel like this would maybe be the one that you might connect to the most in terms of, of like a, a viewer, you know? Yeah, definitely. I definitely connect more with personal stories as like Dick Johnson is dead and having these characters to relate to. So absolutely, this is one I feel like I have to watch. So Minding the Gap is my number one. Amy, we're going to take a quick promo break. And when we come back, we're going to do our honorable mentions. And we're going to wrap up our top fives for everybody. And then we're going to shout out the fans online. So sit tight. We'll be back in just a few seconds. Hello, listeners. Did you know that there is a lot more content where this episode came from? As you may know, we are an independent podcast and we rely on donations in order to keep going. Over on our Patreon site, you will find several ways to stretch your dollar. I am currently producing six exclusive series that you can only get there. They include popular ones such as My First Time and 100 G-Tunes. You'll also get regular main top five episodes just like this one, super early, often weeks in advance. For as little as $1, you can help the show continue. Just visit us over at patreon.com slash two peas on a pod, or you can check the show notes for this very episode. Now let's get back to the countdown. All right, guys, welcome back. As I said, pre-break, we are going to wrap up our top five documentaries. Ms. Amy Smith, what was your five again? Remind everybody. My number five was Free Identical Strangers. My number four is Collective. My number three is Flea. My number two is Dick Johnson is Dead. And my number one is Won't You Be My Neighbor. There you go. Good list. Now, I want you to go ahead and give some honorable mentions. So if you want to round out your top 10 or however many you have there that didn't quite crack your top five, what other ones did you want to shout out? Yeah, so I have three in particular that I want to shout out. The first one is Tell Me Who I Am, which is on Netflix. And it is a story of two brothers and one of them gets into a sort of road incident that leaves them not able to remember anything except his brother because of a close bond they have. Mm-hmm. But there is a very dark past that he just completely forgot. And it's basically presents the idea of, would you tell your brother the traumatic past he had? Or would you just let him forget the entire thing and they have an entire discussion? Because it almost breaks a relationship. So they get into a room and the whole it's completely dark what mm. they learn. And the filmmaking is impeccable with this one. Okay, cool. I'll have to check that one out as well. I've never seen that one. What else it's you got? It's very good. I have a film that I watched for one of my university classes because we were doing something on performance art. And it is called The Artist is Present. And it's about this performance artist, Marina Abramovich. And she does this show for a f- like most of an entire year. And all she does is sit and stare at a person and people interchange. And it's about her experience of doing this for an entire, an entire year and how the emotional and physical impact it has on her doing this show. Mm-hmm. Because it seems something that's so simple, but if you do it for an entire year, you feel the strain of it. Okay. Another one I haven't seen. You see what we're doing, Amy? Uh, we're, we're showing it. We're showing people. <laughs> we're showing people really how broad this topic is, though, right? I mean, because it had, really is. We've had very little. I mean, won't you be my neighbor? I want to say is the only one that we really crossed over as far as mentioning so far. Did you have any other honorables over there? I have one more, and there was a Hulu one on the subject that I haven't seen, but the Netflix film Fire. Oh I think yeah, it's like the story that never happened. Mm-hmm. Insane. I knew 
kind of the story beforehand because I saw I saw it all go off on Twitter like the weekend it happened. Mm-hmm. But watching this documentary, you wonder how on earth was this even started? It's, it's crazy. insane, and I really want to try and find a Hulu one somewhere because I still don't think it's out in the UK. But I'd love to see a comparison between the two documentaries. I saw them both, and they were both really good. But I, one of them, you'll have to remind me. You said you saw the Netflix one, so you'll you'll know. I saw the Netflix one. Yeah, but there there was one that they interviewed the guy. The dude, not remember. not the Netflix one. Okay, the, so that was Hulu then. Guy. So that, that was Hulu. Hulu. So that was the only real like kind of major difference between the two. Hulu had, I guess, the rights okay. to his story or whatever. So he actually was interviewed like, you know, from jail and like whatever. So that was a cool aspect of the Hulu one, but they were both really good. That's just was just fascinating to me. And it sh- <laughs> for me, it was scary in a certain way that it just showed the power of like social media and like the influencers that are out there. I mean, just like, I mean, it was just crazy. Well, that- it was one of the Kardashians was paid to promote yes, it. And- she was involved and uh, John. Ja Rule, you know, the famous rapper. and But it's just like you get a few celebrities that have, you know, 10, 15, 20 million followers. And next thing you know, I mean, even if a, even if only a tenth of those people buy in, that's a lot of people. <laughs> Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it, that, that, though both of those documentaries are really fascinating and I didn't, they didn't make my top 10. So I'm glad you, you mentioned that. So fire, check that out for sure. Well, let me just round up my top five real quick. My number five was Amy. My number four was Free Solo, a heart pounding one. My number three was The 13th. My number two was Bowling for Columbine. And my number one was Minding the Gap. Those were my top five documentaries. To round out my top 10 real quick, I'll just tell you. So my number six is an indie film. It's um really like a rare gem, but it's a movie called At the Drive-In. And and it, it really talks about the relationship that America has had with drive-in movie theaters. And it focuses on the Mahoning drive-in movie theater, which is a very famous one here in the States. It's in Pennsylvania. And uh, so it focuses a lot of the footage is from there. But it all just kind of, again, just reflects on how the drive-in movies kind of died and how they're kind of coming back. And just America's relationship to the drive-in movie theater, especially like old school back in the day. And I, I love going to a good drive-in. Are you a drive-in person or no? They're not that popular in the UK. They kind of started having them during COVID mm-hmm. because it was the safest way to do it. But they're not really a big thing over here. And oh, I don't drive, so <laughs> right, I can't well, exactly go to one. <laughs> you can't do the drive-in part, I guess. Uh, my number seven is a movie called Exit Through the Gift Shop, which is... Um, oh, I've wanted to check this one out for yeah. so long. So Banksy is a fascinating um, public figure, or not public figure, private figure, but he's a fascinating pop culture figure. And Another he's a, British one. What's that? Another British one. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, it's a good one. It's um, it, you know, It focuses on his art, his graffiti art around the UK and how he always kind of eludes the authorities. And he's just kind of this mystery figure that everybody knows his art when they see it, but they've never seen him doing it. So nobody knows how the art gets there. And like, it was just really cool. It was a really cool it was a really cool vision into that that kind of underworld if you will of like graffiti artists my number eight you mentioned which was uh, won't you be my neighbor love that one for reasons i've already said my number nine is a movie called super size me you ever seen that one never even heard of it oh you haven't heard of that one so super size me in 2004 this dude named uh, morgan spurlock and went on this year's quest where he did uh eat nothing but mcdonald's for a year Oh, God. <laughs> Fast food McDonald's. And then just kind of like catalog the results. Like him and his team, like, you know, he got checked out by his doctor once a month. He like, you know, all this stuff. So it was a supposed to be kind of putting a spotlight on what fast food is doing to America, which it did. 
if you see the end results of Morgan Spurlock. And then he did a follow-up to it as well. I can't remember what that was called, but it was a few years later. So he kind of made a whole th- a whole thing out of it. But Super Size Me was really another eye-opening one that I was like, oh, crap. Well, I'm glad I don't eat that much McDonald's. <laughs> And then uh, my number 10 is the oldest one from the back in the 90s, but it's a, a basketball documentary called Hoop Dreams, and it follows these high school basketball players, and they're being recruited by the NBA and by different colleges, and if you're a sports fan especially, it's really interesting because that's a world that we never see as sports fans or as basketball fans is like just how aggressive some of these young talents are are recruited. Uh, you know, it's a little scary to be honest on how influenced they can be and how they can kind of, you know, get hooked into that life. And it, it was a really cool kind of look into that, but it's called Hoop Dreams. Have you ever heard of that one? Haven't heard of that one either, no. All right. So you got full blown homework <laughs> from me, Amy. For uh, <laughs> exactly. But I got some from you too, because you had quite a few that I hadn't seen either. So what what I like to do to end the episode, Amy, is I like to head over to social media and just see what the fans had to say and we open up the old suggestion box, okay, over on Facebook. So if you're cool with that, let's go through some of these real quick. Sounds good. So Jared Taylor, patron and friend of the show, says, Won't you be my neighbor? which we mentioned. He also said Life Itself, which was a great look at the life of Roger Ebert, the film critic. Have you seen that one? I haven't, no. I haven't either, but I've heard great things about that one. And then Jared also mentioned Come Inside My Mind, which is about Robin Williams and Andre the Giant, a look at the famous wrestler. I haven't seen any of those except Won't You Be My Neighbor. Same. Michelle, you'll like this, but she said Three Identical Strangers. There you go. Nice. And she also said Spellbound, which I think is the one about the Spelling Bee contestants, I think. Is that not called Spelling Good Dream? I've seen that one. That's Yeah, that maybe that's the one I'm thinking of. What's Spellbound? I don't know Spellbound. Not sure. But uh, I thought it was a spelling. It, maybe it's a different spelling bee one. I feel like there may have been more than one of those that came out a couple years ago. Uh, Chris Yaney, patron and friend of the show, says March of the Penguins and the, any of the Ken Burns series, which would be baseball, Vietnam, and Civil War. I never got into the Ken Burns stuff, in, which is ironic because I'm a history buff, but I just never got into his, his documentary films. Have you? No, I haven't tried them. Yeah, he does a lot of stuff for like um, PBS. So they'll air him on PBS and then they'll release him like on Blu-ray collections or whatever. And March of the Penguins, I thought was pretty fun too. That, that's a good shout out. Chris Green mentioned one I never heard of called The Parking Lot Movie. Are you familiar with that one? Never heard of it, no. No, me neither. All right, I'll have to check that one out. Let's see. Joe Ketchum says Lost Soul, Grizzly Man, American Movie, Raiders, which is the story of the greatest fan film ever made, and Man on Wire. I've seen Man on Wire. Have you seen that one? I've heard of the last... No, I haven't seen any of them, but I've heard of the last two. Yeah, Man on Wire is another one similar to Free Solo because it's the dude that does the... He walks on the wire over two skyscrapers. I've watched the film by Robert Zemeckis on that story. Yeah, same story, yeah. Uh, Let's see. Jay Talbot says, Dear Zach, which is a letter to a son about his father. He said it was heartbreaking. He also mentioned Touching the Void and Searching for Sugar Man. I oh, I've heard the last one. Yeah, I haven't seen any of those. Uh, David Rosen says, Feels Good Man, Three Identical Strangers, The Cave of Forgotten Dreams, and Pumping Iron. Good to know. Dan Truly says, Free Solo, Young at Heart, and The Aristocrats. David Powell, patron of the show, says, Free Solo. Even And then he, and then he says a caveat, even though he's unable to finish watching it due to his vertigo. <laughs> it is a very, like... It's a very immersive watch. You're right, David. He also mentioned Dear Zachary, When We Were Kings, and Up, 
the series, which I'm not familiar with. Dear Zachary, I feel like I've heard of, but I, don't, I haven't seen that one. Have you seen any of those? I haven't, no. All right. Joey Austin, patron in front of the show, says, When We Were Kings. That's another shout out for that one. I haven't seen that one. Harlan County Coal Miner Strike, The Last Dance, which I, I know of that one. Uh, Beyond the Mat and Ken Burns Civil War, which got mentioned earlier. Brad says, Paradise Lost. I have not seen that one either. See how many documentaries there are on me? It's, cra- it's crazy how many there are. I know. Yeah, there's so many that that can be sought out, you know. Dan Roski, top tier patron of the show, says endless summer, decline of the Western civilization, the times of Harvey Milk, stop making sense and murder ball. Haven't heard of any of them. I've heard of a few, but I, I literally have not seen any of them. Wow. Uh, let's see. Dan Brennick, patron of the show, says Icarus and Minding the Gap. He also said he would like to shout out The Last Dance, even though that's a series, not a movie. And uh, I agree. I mean, the la- are you familiar with The Last Dance? You know who Michael Jordan is, obviously. So The Last Dance obviously, is... Obviously, yeah. Yeah, so his The Last Dance is the story of, of his kind of reign in the NBA with the Chicago Bulls. Mm-hmm. It was really well done, and uh, I really enjoyed it. But it was a series, like Dan said, so I didn't put it on my list. And let's just mention a couple more here. Let's see what patrons I got here and make sure I shout them out. Josh is a patron of the show. Let's see. He shared a whole list of like 20. Let me see which ones we have not mentioned. So the Beastie Boys story. That's a good one. Are you a fan of the Beastie Boys? Not really. No, I haven't Uh, really been. I think I was like out with my sort of time. Oh, I got you. So I'm I'm dating myself a bit, perhaps. Uh, He also mentioned Jim and Andy, which is one that I really like on Netflix about Jim Carrey's portrayal of Andy Kaufman in Man on the Moon. That's a really good one. Oh, wow. I haven't even heard of that. Yeah, that's a really good one. It's on Netflix right now. And a, he mentioned Fire, which you did as well. He uh, Woodstock, PJ20, which is a PJ or a Pearl Jam documentary. And then he also mentioned, let's see, he's got the posters at Paradise Lost, which got mentioned already. The Bill Murray stories. I don't know that one. I love Bill Murray, I but I don't, I don't know that one. Yeah, I've never heard of it. All right. So thank you, Josh, for those. And then let's end on, uh, let's see, I'll tell you what we'll do. I'm a big horror fan, as you may be able to tell from some of the stuff behind me because we're on video chat. But my boy Drew Hallam, who's a patron of the show, friend of the show, has got a lot of horror documentaries on his list. And I didn't have any on my list. So let's do Drew to round out here. He says, uh, In Search of Darkness, which, Amy, is a nine-hour horror documentary. (laughs) Oh, boy. Are you a fan of horror, by by the way, or no? I am. Hitchcock's one of my favorite directors of all time. Oh, yeah, good stuff, man. Classic stuff. Well, In Search of Darkness is uh, two parts and they're about four and a half hours each and it it's all 1980s horror, which, as you probably know, is is the decade in which that genre really, really flourished, especially like B-movies and practical effects and that type of thing. So if you're a fan of the 1980s and that in, in the horror genre specifically, In Search of Darkness is a must-watch. You'll just have to break it up over the course of like three months, probably, <laughs> to watch it all. <laughs> uh, he's also got Horror and the War, which is uh, the history of black horror, which is also really good. The Pixar story, Planet Earth, and then he says American Haunts, which is about you know different haunted attractions and houses in the u.s which is also really really good that one was made for tv i believe but i did see it and i think it's on shutter right now which is a horror streaming service so there you go guys thank you so much for the feedback in the suggestion box it means a lot when you guys shout us out and miss amy smith is here for the first time she's never been on two piece before and she chose the topic we got to talk about our favorite documentaries it was a lot of fun and hopefully people will seek these out at me hell amy just between me and you alone i could give you my list and you give me yours and we have a lot of documentaries to watch but why don't you tell everybody a little bit about film for thought and and what you do over there and where they can find you and look you up. Yeah, so it is a website that I started three and a half years ago just as a place for me to start writing and has since developed into a lot of awards content, me analyzing more international documentaries, smaller sort of films, short films, getting people involved. And I loved getting people involved in my website, so I set up a podcast with the same name. 
and what I do on that podcast is I tell my guests, pick a film, any film you want to talk about, and we will discuss it for about half an hour or so. Mm -hmm. I don't limit what they can pick. I don't limit what they can talk about. I think people need a space where they can essentially talk about something we're passionate about. And two weeks ago, we had one that was not particularly on a good movie, but it was a lot of fun to sort of talk about why it was also bad. So Mm -hmm. I think it's fun that I just let them get to pick whatever they want. So that is the Film for a Thought podcast. That's awesome. I just listened to the Inside Out episode the other day in my car. and uh, Oh, I love that episode. Oh, yeah, it was good. It was a real good conversation. It's obviously a great movie, which is what led me to, to hit play on that one specifically. But you have a great show over there, and you do a lot of really cool stuff on your website, too. Uh, yes. But I've been reading your movie reviews for a few months now, and I love your Oscars coverage. We lined up pretty good in our Oscar predictions this year. Some heartbreak, but we, you know, we did we did okay. We did all right until maybe the final third. <laughs> Yeah, well, geez, I don't know what I don't know what they were doing with that. I, we, that's a whole other thing we could discuss, but yeah, that, they fell apart there at the end. Huh? Well, that's what I'm discussing tomorrow in another podcast. That'll be a fun discussion yeah, yeah. to have. That'll be animated for sure. All right, well, Amy, I appreciate it, and thank you so much for being here. It means a lot, and you know, you know how to reach me now. So I'll come on Film for Thought, and I'll do a horror movie or something. We'll talk about that. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I love talking horror whenever I get a chance. So hit me up, and I'll be there. All right, perfect. Just send me any film of your choice. <laughs> All right, will do. All right, guys, make sure you look up Amy. All her information will be in the show notes for you to find her and look up Film for Thought. Give her a follow. Check her out. And until next week, guys, we will be back and we will have another top five and another pee on the pod. Take care, guys.